Hello and welcome to the simplicity of happiness when more is too much. This podcast offers tips and techniques for a better life. And here's your host, Flo. Hello and welcome. Thank you for being back at the simplicity of happiness. And as this is a 100% listener-supported show, I'd be more than happy if you enjoy this show and you head over to patreon.com to help me on financing the education of children in Zanzibar. And now, sit back and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Simplicity of Happiness. And once again, I am very p proud to, to have a conversation with one of these well, people who don't know, but who are a very important factor in my life. When I started to, well, rethink my life, I was reading quite a few blogs and I found out about a thing that what was called minimalism or something like that. And uh, I remember back then that I wrote a blog post that I said, my new preferred word is simplicity. And that one person referred me through some article to several other ones. And I'm very often I'm quoting the, the, the minimalists. And I just know them because of Colin Wright. And he's my guest today. Thank you for being on the show, Colin. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's um, what well, I am. Um, I am delighted um, because I, I'm following you around for, for quite a while. And for everybody who don't uh, know Colin Wright yet, he has a fabulous um, podcast, Let's Know Things. I think it's one of the, of the best curated podcasts out there. Very interesting, perfect podcast voice. And you have an interesting story because you traveled or you lived in more than 60 countries and you let your readers choose where you were going to. And you could only do that because you were, what did you post? Around 50, you owned about 50 items? <laughs> Something like that initially, at least. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've stopped counting since then because I didn't want people to think they had to own a certain number of items yes. in order to be a minimalist. But yeah, at, at the beginning, it was somewhere between 50 and 70 for the first couple of years. And, and one of these, one of your sayings is, or was, and I, I believe it still is, it's not about, it's not about less. It's about more, more joy, more commitment, um, more happiness, more focus on what really matters. And that was what's, what striked me most, that it's not about suffering, giving away. And this is why I think you, you didn't want to pick that number because you said, well, it's about what matters right. Did I, did I get this right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, exactly the right concept. It ideally is not about denying yourself anything. It's about deciding that you're going to have more of the stuff that's most important. And in some cases, that will mean th the stuff, the actual physical possessions, um, ideally less of better. So the things that are really important, you have better versions of those and less of the things that are not so important, but also in terms of time and energy and things like that, so that you can spend your time 
on, for instance, having a podcast that you enjoy making or spending your time reading all day. If reading is something that brings you way more fulfillment than anything else that you do, then setting aside some of these other things that are less important to free up more time for reading, that to me is focusing on the important stuff. That is prioritizing in a sense that aligns with the, the precepts of minimalism. Yeah, or, or maybe listening to just a few podcasts, but listen to them with intent. Mm -hmm, exactly. Exact or, uh, um, of uh, just consuming everything out there and just listening, listen to it on the go. Just listen to like two or three of them, but those who add some value to your life. Right. Talking about um, value, what what is the one thing that you want? somebody who doesn't know you yet to know about you on the first meeting? Hmm. It's not something I think about too often. I'm not quite as concerned about presenting a particular image of myself, I guess. I typically <laughs> tend to follow where the conversation goes. Mm -hmm. And I find that very often, depending on who I meet and what the circumstance is, Uh, they probably walk away with a very different idea of of the uh, of of who I am, at least superficially, because they might encounter the writer Colin. They might encounter the guy who's obsessed with learning about obscure stuff, Colin. They might encounter the designer Colin, the travel Colin, and you know you can have multiple facets. We are all very three dimensional people, and ideally, we can be all of these things. And the deeper it goes, the more that relationship builds potentially, or the longer the duration of the conversation, chances are you will round out that vision of who you are. Uh, I do find that it's difficult though, to convey the complexity of an entire person within the span of, you know, an initial, how do you do? I am Colin. Here's everything about me. Like that's, that would be the ideal to express yourself concisely in that way. Yes. But the more you express yourself, uh, in that concise way, the more it's inherently reductive. So we might try to use labels to mm -hmm. simplify, you know, I am this, I am a writer. But if I were to just tell someone that I am a writer, that wouldn't be even 1% of who I am. And the same is true, I think, of anything that I could say to somebody right off the bat like that. Mm -hmm. And still, you do write. By the way, for 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 you as a listener, um, you you might have uh, heard or attended my my webinar about the officeless office. I had the idea about this when I went to Zanzibar, and I had no idea well what I'm actually going to do there. And I stayed for um, for almost two months straight and one month in in Stone Town, and during that first week i uh, read a book from uh, from colin it's the travel book do you know can you give me the topic was it uh how to travel full time yes that yes. older one yeah yeah yes exactly and that gave me that gave me one of the well major inspirations for switch yeah well i never went back into my office after that <laughs> <laughs> Um, you wrote a couple of other ones, and I think um, if somebody's interested in the in, in your books, I think it's uh, fine if they just head over to Colin.io, and then you have 
um, following links from there, don't you? Yeah, that's probably the best resource to to find the whole collection. Yeah. And I want to come back to the initial question. Okay, well, I think it's it, it would be quite boring if you could explain the whole person, Colin, in our first meeting. Nevertheless, I'm I'm curious what you think of yourself. What makes you what makes you special? What is the one thing about you if you had just to name one. I'm not sure that it's, it's anything particularly special. I think something kind of the red thread that runs through everything that I do does tend to revolve around being able to pursue curiosity and being able to chase after things that are not necessarily financially smart things to invest oneself in. Uh, they're not necessarily things that will pay off in any big way. They're not necessarily things that will become integral to my life in any way. But having, especially since 2009, when I started traveling full time, uh, this is something that was a dominant part of my personality before that, but I wasn't emphasizing it. But post 2009, this has been really key to everything that I've done simply allowing myself to chase after interesting things and then make them a part of my life or just add them to the stockpile of other interesting things. And then maybe someday they'll become something, maybe someday they won't. Mm -hmm. But in either case, having the time and energy and wherewithal and resources to invest in that pursuit, I guess, which takes many different shapes, but uh, a whole lot of it is just that thrill of discovering new things, of meeting new people, of having new experiences, of learning new skills, of being able to invest myself in a variety of things just because. Mm -hmm. and, and what do you think is the major... Well, I go back one step. When um, you haven't always been living the way you do right now, And there, as, as far as I can remember, there has been a way when you were, um, well, living more or less the corporate or the business, business life. And then there must have been a, a point where you changed and where you said, okay, I am changing my perspective of life. What do you think is the major difference between now and back then before that turning point? It is a change in the metrics that I consider to be important, the metrics that I'm using to gauge success. Uh, at that point, almost a decade ago, uh, I came to recognize that I was using one metric to gauge success. And that was kind of the, the one that most of us are brought up to use as our definition of success, that, that of career success, of financial success. The high score on the game of life is kept track of by the digits in our bank account. Um, mm -hmm. So I was using that to define myself. And e even though it wasn't something I didn't consider myself to be money focused, I'd never had a lot of money as a kid. My family never had a bunch of money. Uh, it was just something as a way of keeping track of how well, how well I was doing compared to other people. Mm -hmm. But it was also taking the place of every other possible metric. And when I had the opportunity to step back from that lifestyle that I was living at the time, which was very uh, busy and stressful mm -hmm. and entrepreneurial focused, um, I was able to realize, wow, first of all, the things I was telling myself that money was for, I told myself that I would earn a bunch of money, then go travel. 
those were things I was backburnering. I had all this money and I had never left the country. I told myself it was for this important purpose. That purpose was something I was uh, making a third tier priority, really. Uh, But also I was realizing that I was coming to define myself in terms of this metric that I didn't really care about. I was coming to associate myself with the identity of someone who makes money, someone who does well in business. And that was becoming an important, vital aspect of who I was, what I wanted other people to consider me to be, mm-hmm. in part because I didn't know who I was without it. It was so, uh, it was such a dominant force within my life. I was working 100-hour weeks that I didn't have time to be anything else. I barely had time to sleep much less to have mm-hmm. hobbies or other things that I could define myself with. So the the gravity of that sort of lifestyle, I think, was pretty intense at that point. And being able to transition from considering that to be the metric of success that was important to having a bunch of other metrics available in terms of health and the way that I manage my relationships and mm-hmm. doing work that I'm proud to have my name on and things like that, being able to create the time and space in my life so that I can invest in things that are not necessarily going to be financially viable. Those are my new scattering of metrics that I find to be much more in line with what I actually care about. Can you remember what your biggest or your greatest hopes and your greatest fears was back then? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, they were very tied up in that, that money metric. Um, my goal at the time, I was 24 uh, back in 2009 when I made that transition. And my goal at the time was to earn a million bucks by the time I was 26. Uh, just be, because I, I didn't have anything in particular I wanted to buy with it. It was just like a psychological victory. So I had a, a couple things lined up, a few things that if they turned out the right way, that would have been an achievable goal. Uh, if everything went according to plan. Um, and then uh, what, what was the second part of that question? Yeah, what, number one, the goal. Number two, the fear. Ah, right, right. Yeah. And, and the fear that I had was around that too. I barely slept a solid night that entire time that I was living in LA running my branding studio because it felt constantly like the entire thing was about to crash around my head. Just one Mm -hmm. missed phone call, one late reply to email, something like that. And my reputation that I had built with my clients, the money that was on the line, great deal Mm -hmm. of money for every single project. Yeah. It felt like it was constantly just teetering on the edge of a cliff and everything could collapse around me immediately. Uh, And I wouldn't even have time to register that it was happening. So That, that was kind of my fear, that mm-hmm. this reputation, this uh, persona that I was building up kind of around that metric was constantly on the verge. It was a very brittle thing that I had to continuously protect. Mm-hmm. And what happened that you switched your focus? I gave myself the opportunity to step back from it for a very short period of time, but that was enough to get that kind of God's eye view on things, to see things in the big Mm -hmm. picture for the first time in my adult life, essentially. And that's all it took to recognize that this was not sustainable. And it wasn't something that was fulfilling my actual wants and needs. And it wasn't something that, 
frankly, if I kept going at that pace, I'd be dead by 35. Like I was just (laughs) really burning the candle at both ends. And although it was considered within my social group to be a good thing to show how hardcore you were, that you didn't need to sleep and that you could force your way through all the difficulties. Uh, That was not something that I was going to be able to maintain. Uh, So in addition to it, not helping me achieve what I actually wanted to achieve and my having put everything that I actually wanted on the back burner, it was something that was probably going to kill me before I had the chance to enjoy the benefits that I was supposedly pursuing. Mm-hmm. And can you um, can you put it on one specific date when you said, okay, this was the night that I said I have to change? Oh, I probably could if I looked at a calendar. It, okay, it no, was no, right. No, I just mean whether you can picture yourself because you said that you were taking a short time out. Mm-hmm. What did you do? Because, um, uh, well, I'm I'm earning my money as a as a coach. That means these are most of the time people who are psychologically healthy and mm-hmm. still very unhappy with their life. Mm. And sometimes um, they just can't handle all of that at the same time. And um, they don't manage because they are so busy. They can't manage to get an, a meta perspective, the outside perspective on what they are doing. Mm. And this is why I try to pull them out. And um, if somebody, well, can't afford to go on a Sahara experience with me or just doesn't want to, what is it that you did? How did you get this meta perspective and what, what was the evening or the night where you realized that right. you have to change and how did you manage to change uh, to focus on something new? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it didn't take a whole lot of investment, fortunately. I took a road trip and just took a couple of days away from the city and away from work, which was unusual. Uh, but just being away, having, having that meta perspective, as you put it, having that ability to look at things from the outside, it made things very clear and allowing myself to consider it too, like being in kind of a mind space where I was able to say, uh, does this all actually make sense? It, it helped that it was, a quick vacation that I took as part of my uh, birthday. My birthday was that week. So having that perceptual milestone, even though you don't have to reserve changes and make positive changes during milestones like birthdays or New Year's or something like that, it can help. It can give you the psychological boost and the excuse to start reconsidering things. And because uh, it's a certain date. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's psychologically important. Uh, So that probably helped. And then, frankly, making the decision or having the recognition that that type of lifestyle has so much gravity that all of the very intelligent, capable mentors that I had in my life, these people who are millionaires and billionaires, very successful people, they they had all done the same thing. They all had stuff that they wanted to do when they were younger. And then they woke up one day and they were 70 and realized they never got around to it. And I had no reason to think that I was any more capable of continuing along that path and having that gravity of the situation grow and grow and grow. And then being able somehow where everyone else like them failed, just I would be able to achieve escape velocity from that gravity. No, it didn't make sense. I, Mm -hmm. I realized I needed to act on it relatively quickly if I was going to pull myself out of it and rethink things. So when I got back, 
I immediately set a deadline for when I would leave Los Angeles and when I would have everything changed over, have everything figured out. And I set that deadline four months in the future to give myself a bit of a runway, but still a relatively short period of time to And change. did you tell anyone else or did you just make it up with yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did tell people out of necessity in part because I had to move my clients over to other people who could manage them. I scaled mm -hmm. down to just one or two clients that I could consult with from my laptop uh, from anywhere. Uh, and then I, I was living with my girlfriend at the time, too. We had a townhouse together. And so there was a lot that had to be considered, a lot that had to be done. There was a lot mm -hmm. of needs to consider and a lot of things that I wanted to degrade um, nicely as opposed to like burning them to the ground or something like that. Yeah. The intent wasn't to pull everything apart and smash things. The intent was to make sure that this smoothly transitioned into whatever happened next. Mm -hmm. And when you look at your life now, do you still have dreams and do you still have fears? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think that's something that ever goes away. Uh, they just change, you know, can and, you, and can you, become, hmm? can you tell us about them? What is your dream right now? And what is, what is the fear that you sometimes wake up with? Uh, yeah, at the moment I'm in the middle of planning a tour mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot of both my dreams and my fears revolve around that. That tends to be the case where I, I always, most of the time, at least ensure that my next step is both challenging, but also something that I will grow as a consequence of that challenge. Yeah. Uh, and so this tour is actually incredibly new. I've never planned from beginning to end my own tour in isolation, <laughs> working just by myself. Typically, yeah. I do it with a group of people. Uh, I'm also moving into a 33-foot vintage motorhome and traveling full-time in that motorhome Uh, for mm -hmm. a year around North America while going on this tour. I will be presenting two different talks rather than just one. One of the talks at venues where people are paying for tickets and one of the talks at house shows, which is something that I haven't done before. There, there's multiple parts to this project that could blow up in my face and that, <laughs> and that I just don't know what I'm doing and I'm having to figure it out as I go along. But driving a 33-foot vehicle is just insane i've done it a few times and then doing all the repairs on a 1985 motorhome and making sure i know how to manage if one of the eight tires blows out while i'm on the road how do i deal with that <laughs> there's a lot of concerns like that along what, with the what, concerns what kind, of motorhome, what kind of motorhome is it it's a 1985 holiday rambler imperial holiday rambler yeah What's it's like it's a class a it kind of looks like a big fancy bus Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did a I did an eight month trip with a 1975 Mercedes Benz oh, okay. uh, motorhome, motor and uh, well, I changed a lot of tires. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's a different I, creature. Yeah. Yeah, and the motor exploded at one time. And, uh, ah. was, so, but in the end, what's well, that? I said, in the end, you just have to manage when it's happening. There's so exactly. many things. It, yeah. it just doesn't make sense to plan ahead. If something happens, it happens. And then it, it's not so much about what is happening to you. It's much more important how you respond to it or who you are when it happens. 
experience. Right. Well, and, and ideally, the, the way that I tend to think about it is that there's certain things you can prepare for specifically, like yes. certain knowledge that you can accumulate. But in general, it's better to spend more time on just trying to be a capable person, trying to be someone who is generally capable of dealing with anything that comes their way in terms of the practicalities of things, being able to figure out solutions in the moment, but also psychologically capable of dealing with the inevitable tire blowouts and the inevitable time when you're rushing to get to a tour date where there's a bunch of people waiting for you and you need to figure out a way to get there on time. How do you deal with that psychologically and practically? So that's the way that I tend to deal with these types of fears. Yes. Yes. Especially when you promised something to other people and you then you can't deliver right right that's that's the big horrifying thing isn't it like you can deal with your own internal letdowns to varying degrees and uh and that can be an an ugly long drawn out process that nobody else (laughs) suffers from but when it involves other people it hurts all the more in a way i just last week i just bought a um seven seven and a half meters so very small i don't really know in feet i think it's around 25 feet so quite a small 65-year-old wooden boat. Oh, wow. And I'm going to, yeah, well, I, I will be traveling full-time with that wooden boat. And I'm going on a, I, I said, I call it a uh, live the life you love world tour um, because I want, to, <laughs> I want to raise the awareness for simplicity, including plastic-free living and all that stuff. And I did a Kickstarter project where people could already book a boat with me book a week with me on the boat in july next year and at the moment the boat has some holes it is in northern germany and i'm going there in two (laughs) weeks from now and i have no idea if it's ever going to float so then i have to sail it all around europe so um um, yeah and my major fear is not whether it will float one time it's just am i able to do this before the winter because i promised people to be there next year in july right yeah so um well we will we will both find out (laughs) yeah but you know if you don't take those kinds of risks then you put a ceiling over your life you you limit yourself and say well that's something i'm too scared to do so here are the the defined limitations of my life and as soon as you say that then you've boxed yourself in and it becomes easier to do it in the future too and to just say that scares me in some way therefore i'm not going to try last week when i took the decision to take that boat, although I had no idea if I'm able to completely fix and maintain a wooden boat. I called my, my girlfriend and I said, you know, you know how you, how you know if you just took a really important decision in your life? That's when you almost pee your pants because you're so afraid <laughs> of the decision that you took. Then you know, okay, well, that's going to be something important for your life. Right, yeah. Suppose. Well, what do you think? How is it that a person like you, somebody who has a very curious, as I would put it, well, very brave mentality, um, because you already did a lot of risk and you did a lot of stuff where other people would be afraid of, and um, you seem to have a, yeah, almost philosophical philosophical um well view on life how is it that that you or that the two of us still 
panic about situations that we might not even be able to be in control of. <laughs> it's because we're still alive. Right? That's the, <laughs> the nature of life. If you ever don't have anything in your life that causes you to feel that way, that probably means you're not growing. And there's nothing wrong with periods of feeling just absolute coziness and comfort where everything has fallen into place and everything is perfectly balanced. But if you reach that point and if you stay too long, one, it might mean that you're ignoring things that are actually going on and therefore you'll be caught completely unaware when the consequences of those things arise. But just as likely, it may mean that you're just not taking any risks and you're not willing to face discomfort in order yeah. to continue to iterate, to grow, to become a, an increasingly refined version of yourself. Uh, so I don't see it as a downside. I see it. It's the up and down, like on a, a heart monitor, you know, you've got the up and down. And if you do not have the up and down on your heartbeat, that's a problem. That's, that's not yes. fully living. If it's not moving, um, then it might be too late for any decision uh, after all. Yeah. Um, for our listeners, if one of them is listening right now and they say, well, um, Colin and Flo, they were just able to take the decisions in life because they had well, whatever, no family, enough money or whatever they think might have given us the security to take our own decisions and they don't do it at the moment. And still they are struggling because they either feel overwhelmed by life, by job, by family, or they feel as if life is being lived without them. So in both cases, some frustration where they are not able to move at the moment. What is your suggestion for them? First step to get out there. I would say it's a good idea early on to recognize that everyone has different ceilings and floors, different, different capabilities, different beginning attributes. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I definitely have had just countless advantages in life. I've got so many advantages. I should be doing much better than I am, frankly. I've got a loving family. I am a straight white male who's fully able-bodied living in the United States, speaking English, U.S. passport. Like there's just so many, sometimes little, sometimes quite big privileges that come with that type of situation. So there, there are certain things that other people will have that give them an advantage. One of the big advantages I do not have, I, I didn't start out wealthy. We, we never had a bunch of money. So that's something that <laughs> other people, I can look at them and say, well, of course they can succeed at that. They started out wealthy. The, the thing is though, we all, again, have these different starting points and it sucks that they are unequal. Uh, we all start out on unequal footing, Yeah, but that doesn't say anything about your capability and everybody plays their hand of cards differently. And I know so many different people who have taken just these obscenely bad hands that they were dealt. They had so many disadvantages compared to what I started out with. And they're just kicking all kinds of ass. They are doing yeah. fabulously, achieving these incredible lifestyles that, especially by their standards, they are just living exactly the lives that they want to live. It, it's absolutely possible. And it's not unfair to say this other person had advantages that I did not have. 
but that shouldn't stop you. It's a very, very convenient excuse. And, and I don't say that to belittle any of these things, because again, some, some disadvantages are substantial and you will have to work five or 10 times as hard as the person standing next to you, because you just started out on different footing and it's not fair, but it is real. That should not be a viable excuse though. That should stand in your way. It, it, Ideally, should be something that you are aware of and that you make note of and you take into consideration for your plans. And then you go and do what you want to do anyway. Figure out a way to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And when you ever get in a situation where you are frustrated about, well, about your life or about any plans that didn't work out the way that you planned to, do you still have these moments? Yeah, typically they are only moments though. Um, And how do you get out of these moments? What is your magic pill? <laughs> typically uh, putting things into context, stepping back from that kind of sinking feeling moment, that moment where you're like, oh God, everything yeah. sucks. Nothing's going the way it's supposed to go. How am I going to dig myself out of this situation? Um, why can't I achieve this thing that I want to achieve so badly? It, putting things back into context and looking at the bigger picture And allowing yourself to, it, it sounds kind of funny. It sounds a little bit weird and maybe even hokey, but looking at the universe as a whole, as this potentially infinitely vast thing and the earth as a speck of dust, mm -hmm. not even a speck of dust on a speck of dust in that infinite ocean of vacuum and, you know, billions of human beings with Uh, parts of their brain that tell them that they are conscious living amongst all these other animals with very similar parts. And, and basically everything that we've created being kind of perception-based and everything that we've created being something that in the vast infinite of space and time, not actually mattering in any substantial mm -hmm. significant way, except to us in this moment and the way that we perceive it. Um, being able to step back and put things into that context, I find helps me a great deal. Hmm. that yeah. transcendent type of moment transcending out of you know the the little box that you put yourself in and say everything in my life is the most important thing that's happening anywhere hmm. and and pulling yourself out of that extracting yourself looking at the universal big picture whatever that looks like to you because everybody yeah. has different perceptions of that and uh, what and and what is oh, the first thing that you do when you want to get that bigger perspective Because I can, I, I can only talk about my own life. I can only talk about my own feelings, and um, and some. So everybody has to find their own, well, way of stopping that downward circle. Um, but I'm wondering, what is the first thing when you notice that? Mm. How do you get that bigger perspective? What are you actually doing? Usually, uh, it, it will be a moment of realization. I've developed a reflex around this, where if I find myself feeling at all depressed in some way, which is not, I don't have clinical depression or anything, so it's unusual when I feel that way. Or if I feel myself um, feeling that sense of weakness or incapability or something mm -hmm. like that, rather than looking for solutions, I'm looking for things to blame or looking for <laughs> things to make me feel worse about things. I stop myself mentally and I take a couple of deep breaths, like in through the nose, out through the mouth, really deep, slow breaths. Uh, in some cases I'll check in with myself. Have you drank 
enough water today? Have you done any physical exercise today? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do some jumping jacks or push-ups or something like that really quickly to get the blood flowing. I, I try mm-hmm. to handle some of the possible physiological factors first, yeah. and then I check back in with myself a few minutes later and say, is this actually a thing you're worrying about? Is this something without a solution? And if so, then I try to refine the problem down to more granular bits and take it apart into pieces. And it may be that some of those pieces are, it's easier to find a solution to those. It's easier to find some way to supersede those or overcome those. And then once those Mm -hmm. pieces are pulled away, the rest that I don't know how to handle yet doesn't seem like it's so big and monolithic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a very good one. That's, um, that jumping jumping jack thing um, for me it's uh, going out and running so but for mm-hmm. me it's very important that i get my my body busy because otherwise i start doing stuff and just worrying more about this so i need to get running and when i'm getting more and more tired then my my my, my brain can slow down a bit and when and most of the time it's something externally happening so where i have the feeling that somebody else is doing something to me and then i'm 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 asking myself okay if that was really the case, who is the one I would want to be in relation to that? And then very often it's, um, it's very obvious, okay, that's, that's just the way that I have to be to be proud of myself and then I'm doing that and then very often the problem is... Mm, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. When we... Let's, let's imagine we meet again in... Well, we meet <laughs> since uh, we are quite some thousand uh, miles away from each other. We meet in, in about 30 years, somewhere in a faraway country. And we are talking about uh, the last 30 years. Like, hey, Colin, can you remember 30 years ago that one podcast? <laughs> I'll be like, podcasts? What are those? <laughs> what did you do? God, I have we, no idea. We hung I, up. What is the yeah. story that you want to tell me? I have no idea. I, I, I mean, I would like to be able to say that I enjoyed it, that I had a good time, that I grew as a person. Okay. Specifics beyond that, even a year or two in the future, typically. I have no idea. The most growth-oriented, satisfying things that I've done in my life have typically been things that have emerged relatively suddenly. And I've just run with them and decided to invest myself more in them. And then they become a an important part of my life uh, learning to cook recently was one such thing where uh, coming back to the u.s i knew i would have for the first time in a very long time access to consistent equipment to, <laughs> to learn to cook like a stove and some pans yeah, and yeah. a knife and things like that so i thought okay now it's time i've always appreciated people who could cook and the skill and watching it 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 seemed a bit like design and art which are things that i i do have yeah. a background in it seemed the same just looking at it it seemed like the parts of the brain required would be similar so i always wanted to do it never got around to it finally things fell into place and i said okay while i'm doing this i will also take the time to learn to cook And so I, for the last two years, have cooked every meal, more or less, that I have consumed. And during that period, I took up baking bread in the traditional French fashion, which was something that I didn't know anything about, didn't know uh, that it was a thing separate from other bread, but I discovered it, found that I enjoyed it, ran with it. Now it's one of the most satisfying, joy-inducing parts of my week. I bake bread once a week, each week, and love the hell out of it. So if you would have asked me 
what six or seven months ago before I discovered bread baking. What will your next year look like? What will you be doing week by week? I wouldn't have been able to tell you that because it wasn't even on my radar. And I suspect 30 years from now, there will be 30 or so such things that have come to define my life in that time. Well, I'm happy that you gave me that explanation about the bread baking, especially because I can relate uh, to that. Um, well, if you are satisfied with that, then um, think about cheese making. Oh, I love cheese. I've never thought about making my own, though. It That's interesting. Is, well, it is easy, especially if you go for something like um, a cream cheese and mozzarella and, uh, and stuff like this. It's really easy. It just takes a day or two. And oh. um, if you have uh, some storage place, then you can really make some uh, some bigger cheese. Well, it ends up in a mess at the beginning, but it's wonderful to see that material change and you can add some different flavors. Well, I'm living in Switzerland. I did the bread thing and I did the cheese thing and uh, yeah. that would be a recommendation. Well, But one thing that I, I want to point out is that you gave a very specific answer at the very beginning you said two things you want to tell me that you went on a path of growth and you enjoyed it and these are two major well these can these can be two major guidelines i mean what are you guiding your life For some people may might say it has to be the travel, it has to be the family, it has to be the money. And if you tell me it has to be personal growth, and while enjoying it, I think that can uh, be an incredible ingredient for some uh, wonderful stories. Yeah, I, I, general having general structures in that way, I think helps. Because I, I never want to commit. I, I told myself when I was a kid, I used to be very into gaming, playing video games, playing like tabletop games like Warhammer, mm -hmm. uh, these like collectible model oriented war games. I was so into that kind of thing. And I told myself, when I get older, I'm not going to get old and lame like all of the other adults that I've encountered <laughs> in my life. I'm going to keep on playing games forever because I'm yes. going to be awesome. Yes. And then at a certain point, like games are still fun, but they're not a vital part of my life. Life. They're not something that I invest a lot of time in. I don't own any tabletop war games anymore. Uh, if I had the opportunity to play, I'd probably do it just on a whim, but it's not important. Other things came into my life and I grew and changed. My priorities grew and changed. Well, so I never want to say that, you know, I'm going to lock myself into it. And this is the only thing that will be important to me for the next 30 years, which is why those broader guidelines, I think, are, are usually the optimal choice. And it seems to me as... If you are still playing, you just changed the game. Yeah, exactly. When I started business, actually, when I got into entrepreneurship, the video game metaphor was very useful to me mm -hmm. in terms of growth and gaining experience and uh, accomplishing quests and things like that. So it wasn't useless. Each of these things, I think, feed into everything that you do afterward. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I well, I could I could uh, record a second episode with you or um, uh, talk talk forever, but for this episode, I think it's about time to to wrap it up. Um, but before I let you go, if um, somebody thinks that uh, you are you have an interesting mindset and they want to find out more about you, and if they want to read a book. 
what is what is your recommendation in uh, general? Probably, which book yeah. to start with? Uh, probably the best one to start with is either Becoming Who We Need to Be, which is a collection of essays, mm -hmm. or Come Back Frayed, which is a collection of travel stories. Okay, perfect. I'm going to I'm going to put it in the in the show notes. Otherwise, well, if you are as me, because I'm when I'm listening to a podcast and somebody tells me I put it in the show notes, I was like, yeah, sure. I'm driving. <laughs> I can't have <laughs> a look at it. So Colin.io is quite simple to remember, and I can tell you, you find um, the rest as well. And the uh, podcast, let's know things is worth li listening. And I am so often purely amazed on how you turn an opening story. Oh, how, thank you. How long does it take you to prepare such a podcast? Uh, these days, now that I'm, what, 113, 114 episodes in, uh, so it's, I've got a couple of years experience now, it's usually a couple days work because I've got things pretty well refined and I know exactly how to do it and what I'm looking for when I'm researching and such. But when I got started, it, it took all week to produce a week's episode. And did, do you pre-script them? Yeah, these days I do. The, the first 10 or 20 episodes, I did bullet points. Uh, but I found that having a script and then going off on tangents when it makes sense while I'm reading that script uh, allows me to hit the points that I want to hit in the right order more frequently. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any, anyway, it's worth listening. And um, do you have a recommendation for me of an inspiring person that I should have the next interview with? Oh, gosh. There's a lot of people out there. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've, if you've reached out to uh, Josh and Ryan from The Minimalists, but either one of those guys or anybody that they work with these days, too, actually. Um, Jess, who, who works with them on their well, social media. Jess actually was my, I think my, my, my second guest on the show about one oh, and really? half years ago. Um, and, uh, well, if I can do anything for you in the future, just let me know. And um, I hope to meet you on somebody's, on somebody's tour sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'll have a European one some point. We'll see how this North American one goes first. Yeah, let me know. Colin, thank you so much for being my guest. And, well, I wish you all the best for your tour. And um, yeah, be sure I, uh, I keep following you. Oh, before I forget, Patreon. You are also on Patreon. Um, so if somebody likes that, I mean, uh, leave a buck or two on a monthly basis there. I can tell you from my own experience, it helps a lot. And it's a very, a very good way of appreciation. Thank you for that. I appreciate the, the shout out. Yeah. So once again, thank you very much, Colin. And um, well, take care of yourself. My pleasure. Thanks again for having me.